Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. How does God develop leaders? My friends, I would love to tell you that the next few days will be a systematic look at that question, but it won't be. What I can say, though, is that a chunk of the book of Samuel that we will be reading for the next few days is going to be a good study for that question. So here is a spoiler alert. Would God consider you as a leader of his people? Here's the point. What makes a great leader is a confidence in God's word that enables you to make courageous faith-filled decisions for his kingdom. And how is that for uh, a Monday? Episode 2249. Welcome back to today's little chunk of us reading through every word of God's self-revelation of himself and considering our own life stories in light of that. My friends, as I often say, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. And uh, just, well, actually, I should just say to set things up for today, Today's New Testament segment is going to be shorter than usual because our Old Testament segment is long and it bears making a point that only really happens when we read the big kind of a big chunk together. Okay, so today's theme, what makes a great leader is a confidence in God's word that enables you to make courageous, faith-filled decisions for his kingdom. And if there is a, a subset of that, we pick up today in our New Testament segment in Mark Chapter 8 at verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch the man. He took the blind man by the hand, brought him out of the village, and spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? The man looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking. And again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes and the man looked intently, and, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. Now Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, well, John the Baptist. And others say Elijah, and still others say one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And Jesus strictly warned them to tell no one about him. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and rise after three days. He spoke openly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me 
and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. And then he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. And my friends, that gets us up through the rest of chapter 8. So, in a way, I hope you see that every person must wrestle with and answer the question of who Jesus is, right? Following Jesus means sacrifice. And importantly, Satan's view is the opposite of God's view, right? So we should look for God's perspective in every situation. Now, I trust you see that that how that feeds into today's theme. And you're going to hear some familiar stuff in our Old Testament segment today. Um, when we left off, we heard about Saul's desire for his soldiers' approval and how that caused him to repeatedly defend his refusal to obey God's clear instruction to destroy the Amalekites, right? So God, therefore, rejected Saul as king of Israel. Now, I want you to listen for the sense of belief that is contrasted in the next two chapters. 1 Samuel 16 and 17 are actually out of chronological order, okay? Meaning the author put them in the, this order for a reason. And what you're going to hear is the need for a heart and then a demonstration for a heart. I trust that will make sense, right? Remember, what makes a great leader is confidence in God's word that that enables you to make courageous, faith-filled decisions for his kingdom. 1 Samuel 16 and 17. The Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, because I have selected for myself a king from his sons. And Samuel asked, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. And the Lord answered, Take a young cow with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will let you know what you are to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate to you. Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. By the way, pause. <laughs> Do you realize that what God just said to do is partial? Hey, take a cow with you and do this, but then I'll let you know what you are to do, right? So he doesn't have the whole picture. It's a good thing to remember. Continuing. Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. And when the elders of the town met with him, they trembled and asked, do you come in peace? He replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Oh, certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance 
or his stature, because I've rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel, and the Lord the Lord hasn't chosen this one either, Samuel said. And then Jesse presented Shema, but Samuel said, The Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, The Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, Are these all the sons you have? And Jesse answered, Well, they're still the youngest, but right now he's tending the sheep. And Samuel told him, Send for him. We won't sit down to eat until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him, and he had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. And then the Lord said, Anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and an evil spirit sent from the Lord began to torment him. So Saul's servants said to him, You see that an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command your servants here in your presence to look for someone who knows how to play the lyre. And whenever the evil spirit from God comes on you, that person can play the lyre, and you will feel better. Then Saul commanded his servants, Find me someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, I've seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is also a valiant man, a warrior, eloquent, handsome, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul dispatched dispatched messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a wineskin, and one young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. And when Saul or when David came to Saul and entered his service, Saul loved him very much, and David became his armor-bearer. And then Saul sent word to Jesse, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor with me. And whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would pick up his lyre and play, and, and Saul would then be relieved, feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. All right, my friends, that is chapter 16. Now we get to chapter 17. Here we go. The Philistines gathered their forces for war at Soko in Judah and camped between Soko and Azekah in Ephestamim. Easy for me to say, right? Ephestamim. Saul and the men of Israel gathered and camped in the valley of Elah, and then they lined up in battle formation to face the Philistines. The Philistines were standing on one hill, and the Israelites were standing on another hill with a ravine between them. And then a champion named Goliath from Gath came from the Philistine camp, and he was nine feet, nine inches tall, and wore a bronze helmet and bronze scale armor that weighed 125 pounds. There was a bronze armor on his shins, and bronze javelin was slung between his shoulders. His spear shaft was like a weaver's beam, and the iron point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. In addition, a shield-bearer was walking in front of him. 
He stood and shouted to the Israelite battle formations, Why do you come out to line up in battle formation? He asked them, Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose one of your men and have him come down against me. If he wins in a fight against me and kills me, we will be your servants. But if I win against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. Then the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel today. Send me a man so we can fight each other. When Saul and all Israel heard these words from the Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. Now, David was the son of the Ephrathite from Bethlehem of Judah named Jesse. Jesse had eight sons and during Saul's reign was already an old man. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war and their names were Eliab, the firstborn, Abinadab, the next, and Shammah, the third. And David was the youngest. The three oldest had followed Saul, but David kept going back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock in Bethlehem. Now every morning and evening for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand. And one day Jesse told his son David, take this half bushel of roasted grain along with these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Also take these 10 portions of cheese to the field commander. Check on the well-being of your brothers and bring a confirmation from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. So David got up early in the morning, left the flock with someone to keep it, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had charged him. He arrived at the perimeter of the camp as the army was marching out to its battle formation, shouting their battle cry. Israel and the Philistines lined up in battle formation facing each other, and David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster and and ran to the battle line. When he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were, and while he was speaking with them, suddenly the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual words, which David heard. And when all the Israelite men saw Goliath, they retreated from him, terrified. Previously, an an Israelite man had declared, Do you see this man who keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will make the man who kills him very rich and will give him his daughter. The king will also make the family of that man's father exempt from paying taxes in Israel. Now David spoke with the men who were standing with him. What will be done for the man who kills that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The troops told him about the offer, concluding, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now David's oldest brother Eliab listened as he spoke with the men, and he became angry with David. Why did you come here? he asked. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down to see the battle. What have I done now? protested David. It was just a question. And then he turned from those beside him to others in front of him and asked about the offer. And the people gave him the same answer as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. So Saul had David brought to him. And David said to Saul, 
Don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go, and I'll fight this Philistine. But Saul replied, You can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth. He's been a warrior since he was young. David answered Saul, Your servant has been tending his father's sheep, and whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur and strike it down and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put on a bronze helmet on David's head and and had him put on armor. And David strapped his sword on over the military clothes and tried to walk, but he wasn't used to them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk in these. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Instead, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and, and put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag. And then, with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Now the Philistine came closer and closer to David with the shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him because he was just a youth, healthy and handsome. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come out against me with sticks? And then he cursed David by his gods. Come here, the Philistine called to David and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defied him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Today I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth, and then... All the world will know that Israel has a God, and this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. And when the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in the bag, took out a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone. David overpowered the Philistine and killed him without having a sword. David ran and stood over him, grabbed the Philistine's sword, pulled it from its sheath, and used it to kill him. Then he cut off his head, When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they fled. The men of Israel and Judah rallied, shouting their battle cry, and chased the Philistines to the entrance of the valley into the gates of Ekron, and Philistine bodies were strewn all along the Shararim road to Gath and Ekron. And when the Israelites returned from the pursuit of the Philistines, they plundered their camps. David took Goliath's head and brought it to Jerusalem, and then he put Goliath's weapons in his own tent. And when Saul had seen David going out to confront the Philistine, he asked, 
Abner, the commander of the army? Whose son is this youth, Abner? Your majesty, as surely as you live, I don't know, Abner replied. The king said, Find out whose son this young man is. And When David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? Son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem, David answered. And that gets us up through chapter 17. So big picture, why does God anoint David to replace Saul as the next king of Israel? Well, of course, because by fighting Goliath, David demonstrates his belief in God's promise that Israel would conquer Gath. And that, of course, is our theme for us today. That maybe we should boldly go where only God can take us. What does it take to be a leader? Confidence in God's word and uh, making courageous, faith-filled decisions for his kingdom. Lord God, I just want to pray for each person right here. Lord, as we uh, even just read these stories for the next few days, I pray that this sense of personal leadership, whether we lead only ourselves or we lead an organization of tens of thousands, Lord, I pray that that we would first and foremost gain or regain or strengthen our confidence in your word of what happens when we pursue righteousness, your righteousness, Lord, that only you can bring. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.